Guys, welcome to Precision Sports. My name is Archie Roden, and today we're going to be going over uh, off-season winners and losers. Uh, this is going to include free agency, trades, and the draft. I won't be doing grades since I recorded my draft grades, but the audio file got corrupted somehow in GarageBand. I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. This will be my first show with a relatively full script. So let me know what you think I could do in the comments on YouTube or in a DM on Instagram, which I'll link in my podcast description. <clears throat> Alright, so the first five winners I have, I've got the Blazers, the 76ers, the Suns, the Thunder, and the Hornets. The Blazers... Added Derek Jones Jr., Harry Giles, Robert Covington, Ennis Cantor, and C.J. Ellaby through the draft in the second round. They lost Trevor Ariza, Wenyan Gabriel, Mario Zonia, Hassan Whiteside, as well as, uh, I believe, one and a very heavily protected first-round pick last year, or next year. The Blazers did not lose a lot besides their first-round pick this year, and what they gained far outweighs what they lost. They re-signed Mello, which I think is a huge deal. They also brought back Rodney Hood and Ennis Cantor to be a backup big. They also brought, technically they brought back Harry Giles since he was drafted here before we traded him for Zach Collins, essentially. But most of all, we were able to bring in two versatile defensive long wings to pair aside Dame and CJ. I got this team as a sleeper for the you know, top three seed. I don't see that the Nuggets are going to go up at all. I think the Blazers are going to make a huge push for that top three or two seed, and I think Dame has a big chance of winning MVP. Uh, as you might know, this is my favorite team. I was very happy to see that they got Robert Covington. I think he's going to fit alongside with Dame and CJ great, as well as Derek Jones Jr., and then we got some bench scoring with Hood and Mello. All right, and the 76ers, they added Tony Bradley, Dwight Howard, Seth Curry, Tyrese Maxey, Isaiah Joe, Theo Maladon, and Danny Green. They lost Josh Richardson, Alec Burks, Raul Nato, Norvell Pell, Glenn Robinson III, and Kyle O'Quinn. Daryl Morey came in after Elton Brand completely demolished his franchise, and he made an immediate, noticeable impact. After Sam Presti of the Thunder flipped uh, Dennis Schroeder for Danny Green in the first round pick. He immediately gave Danny Green to the Sixers in exchange for Al Horford in the 2025 first round pick. You know, Danny Green, besides from the jokes, you know, he's still someone that you need to pay attention to on the offensive side of the ball. He's also an expiring deal, and that Al Horford contract was historically bad. I'm amazed that they were able to only give up a first round pick and get it off the books. I was very surprised at that. They also traded Josh Richardson for um, Seth Curry pretty much straight up, and he's the second-best three-point shooter in NBA history. You know, a lot of people don't know that. And another funny thing is that he's Doc Rivers' son-in-law. In the draft, they also took a playmaker in Theo Maladon, as well as a potential defensive juggernaut in Tyrese Maxey, who can score one-on-one. Also... You know, probably one of the better shooters in the draft in Isaiah Joe. Out of um, Arkansas, I think. I'm not sure. 
But, I mean, this is about as perfect of a draft as you can do. You potentially have filled your backup point guard spot with Maladon. You also feel a defensive-minded player in Tyrese Maxey. And uh, Dwight Howard and Tony Bradley are pretty decent replacement options if uh, Joel gets injured, too. So, I mean, if, if this team doesn't work out, then I don't really know what will. I think they'll probably start Danny Green at three. But I just don't know. We'll see. I think I think Daryl Murray definitely... I think this team's going to be a top three or four seed in the East. And then the Suns, they added Jay Crowder, Chris Paul, Langston Galloway, Damian Jones, Etwan Moore, and Jalen Smith with the 10th pick. They lost Aaron Baines, Czech Diallo, Frank Kaminsky, first-round pick, second-round pick, Kelly Uber, and Ricky Rubio. The Suns wanted to make a playoff push with Devin Booker since they have not really since he was there. You, I mean, you know, they made a playoff push last you know, in the bubble, but obviously that wasn't enough. And um, I think... This is a pretty good trade, Kelly Oubre, for Chris Paul straight up. I think that's a pretty fair trade. You know, Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, and a first-round pick. I mean, the Thunder immediately flipped both of those guys, so they're not going to be part of their plans. And um, I don't know. The Thunder are making moves. I mean, they basically turned Chris Paul into, you know, a ton of first-round picks, which is incredible, but they also brought in Jay Crowder to an affordable deal, which I'm a fan of, and they also brought in a versatile four or five man who can stretch the floor in Jalen Smith. Play some good interior defense and potentially has some ability to switch. I really like this team. And then, again, you know, last year we thought Cam Johnson was a reach, but it looks like he's going to be one of the better shooters in the draft, so maybe Jalen Smith is not going to be a bust like a lot of people say so. Now the Thunder, they brought in Trevor Ariza, George Hill, Justin Jackson, Ty Jerome, TJ Leaf, Admiral Schofield, Al Horford, Alexej Pokashevsky, Kenrich Williams, and more. And also about four first-round picks. Now they lost Stephen Adams, Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, Dennis Schroeder, Nerlens Noel, and Andre Roberson. So they lost all of their starters pretty much besides Shea. And uh, I think they got pretty good return out of them. I mean, they got a ton of first-round picks. You know, they turned Chris Paul into way more assets than I was expecting them to. They traded Kelly Oubre and Steven Adams for both first-round picks. I mean, they traded Kelly Oubre, Steven Adams, Dennis Schroeder, and Danny Green for all first-round picks. I mean, they got four first-round picks plus the one that they got for Chris Paul, which is insane. They took on Al Horford. You know, he's in a horrible contract, but, I mean, I think he could help Shea grow. Play the five, maybe start Baisley at the four. I like that a lot. And then they also, you know, they set themselves up for many years to come if they use it right. You know, the Celtics were heavily criticized this year of not using their first-round picks right, but I think, I don't know. I really like where the Thunder are going. If they can, you know, make some trades, maybe move some first-round picks for young, you know, stars, they're going to be very competitive with Shea Gillis-Alexander, I think, is a all-NBA player pretty soon. I don't know. I really like their moves. And now the Hornets. Now they added Gordon Hayward, LaMelo Ball, Vernon Carey, and Grant Riller, who I think is like a sleeper pick. They lost Nick Batum, Dwayne Bacon, Willie Hernan Gomez. And while I firmly believe that the Hornets, like, you know, firmly, firmly overpaid for Gordon Hayward, paid him four years, 120, in case you were wondering, and this might end up being the worst contract in the league the last two years of it. 
But, I mean, they never get big free agents. And this is probably the biggest one they're ever going to get. I'm just worried about it turning into, you know, another Nick Batum contract. I don't <laughs> I don't know how it's going to go. Um, And, I mean, if he could stay healthy, I could totally see him helping LaMelo grow as a player. Maybe leading them to an eight seed in the playoffs. I think they might want to trade Terry Rozier to the Clippers. I mean... They can trade Terry Ozier for like Zubach and um, uh, what's his face, Patrick Beverly. I mean, I think then they got a, a young center for the future. I love the Lamelo pick since I think he could definitely, you know, develop into an all star if they develop him properly. Get him a jump shot. You know, I'm hoping for the best in the Hayward contract, and I think the last two years of that are going to be the worst contract in the league. But uh, I mean. Hopefully they can trade him or something. Maybe it's non-guaranteed. I don't know too much about it, but I have no idea what they're going to do. It's a, it's an interesting pickup, but they also had to waive Nick Batum. I think it's a win just because they got a former All-Star on the team, and if he can become that again and stay healthy, that is a great pickup. All right, now my five losers are going to be the Celtics, the Bucks the Kings, the Warriors, and the Nuggets. The Celtics, I thought they were going to trade all their first-round picks, but instead they added Aaron Naismith, Peyton Pritchard, Jan Madar, and Tristan Thompson. They lost Gordon Hayward and his canter, Brad Wanamaker. But they also got a trade exception in the Gordon Hayward deal, which is huge. $20.5 million is a lot. But... That does not compare to the value with which they were going to get if they had accepted the Pacers' offer of Miles Turner and Doug McDermott. I mean, that is the best you can do for freaking Gordon Hayward. And instead of accepting that, you turned it down because you wanted another star. Like, think about it. The Celtics already have their starting point guard, Kemba Walker. Hopefully he can stay healthy. That's why they were shopping him. Marcus Smart of the two, and then you got your two wings, your young wings, and then you got Miles Turner to build around. That is, Miles Turner is the perfect center for the Celtics. I don't know what they were thinking. Tristan Thompson is good, but not good enough for the, I mean, what they could have gotten in Gordon Hayward, uh, Miles Turner. I just don't understand what they're thinking. And now the Bucks, they added Drew Holiday, which I think they overpaid for, Bobby Portis, Bryn Forbes, and Torrey Craig. They lost Eric Bledsoe, Sterling Brown, George Hill, Ursan Ilyasova, Robin Lopez, Wes Matthews, three first-round picks, and two pick swaps. The Bucks severely overpaid for Holiday, despite him being an upgrade over Bledsoe and Hill. I mean, obviously, I'm not an NBA GM, and I don't know what it actually took to get done, but David Griffin took advantage of the Bucks' position and fleeced them. And then on the on the night of free agency, when I heard that Bogdanovich was going to be joining the team. I was certain that they were going to win the chip, but now without him, I don't know how I feel. I mean, you know, maybe Dante DiVincenzo doesn't want to be there now. I don't know what they're going to do. They lost a lot of depth and gave up their entire future for a 30-year-old Drew Holiday. And now they have Dante DiVincenzo on the roster who probably is going to get traded because obviously the Bucks don't need him because they were going to trade him in the first place. I think he's as good as gone. I don't know what they're going to get for him or anything, but maybe they can get something. I mean, this might raise their ceiling as a team, but if they come out and win less than 50 games, 
but make it to the uh, you know the Eastern Conference Championship, then it's close to worth it. But it's not totally worth it unless Giannis signs a supermax. Because if Giannis doesn't sign, this team is screwed. They have Chris Middleton, who's on a max contract. They got Drew Holiday, who they gave up a ton of picks for. And they got an aging Brooke Lopez. This is this is their year to win. And the Kings, they added Tyrese Halliburton, Robert Woodard, who I really like, Jemias Ramsey, and Kenyon Martin Jr. No, my fault. I think they traded Kenyon Martin Jr. to the Rockets. Um, they lost Bogdan Bogdanovich, who they did not match. Harry Giles, young center, Alex Len and Kent Bazemore. Now the only reason I put the Kings on here is that they got literally nothing for Bogdan Bogdanovich. If they knew they wouldn't match their contract, then why would they not trade him? You know, I understand that there were some weird things on the contract first year that made it hard for them to match it, but if they couldn't do that, then they should have traded him last season. You know, now they're stuck with Buddy Heald who's still unhappy and wants to trade. And a future, you know, starting two guard that you just picked in the lottery in uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, I forgot to m- mention that they added uh, Hassan Whiteside. But I hate that signing. I mean, Bagley, potential five or four. I like him more at the five. Why would they sign Whiteside? You know, I just don't understand what they're thinking. Whiteside is a bad defensive center despite leading the league in blocks. That's very misleading. He does not try on defense. And, you know, it's one year, but that takes away from Bagley, who's on a contract year, as well as Rashawn Holmes, who I think is a really talented center. I mean, they did, they can't do anything right for the Kings, and they didn't even get off, you know, Harrison Barnes off the books. I just feel bad for their fans, all in all. Now, my last loser, my last two losers are the Warriors. And the only reason I put them on here, because of Clay Thompson. I mean, that's... Two injuries to both knees, or both legs, I mean. I mean, he's going to lose, <laughs> I don't know how much of his athleticism, but a lot of his athleticism regardless. And, uh, I mean, when I got the news, I felt awful, and I couldn't, I, I just can't imagine what Clay's going through right now. I mean, they were planning on competing for a championship this year, and now he just can't. I, You know, I'm just hoping that he heals properly, and if he doesn't, then... I don't know how good he's going to be when he returns. I mean, they added Kelly Oubre, Brad Wanamaker, James Wiseman, and Nico Mannion, which I like. But it's, I don't know how I feel. I feel really bad for Clay Thompson. Another loser I want to add here is the Pistons, who added Mason Plumlee and Jeremy Grant and Jalil Okafor. And then Isaiah Stewart, uh, Killian Hayes, and Sadiq Bey. You know, when I saw their draft, I was like, hey, you know, this is a good draft. Maybe they can, you know, Blake Griffin's almost on an expiring contract. I mean, flip him maybe for something. You know, they got their future playmaker in Killian Hayes. And they got a future three in uh, Sadiq Bey, which I really like. They also got maybe a future five in Isaiah Simmons or Stewart to start next to. Uh, so whatchamacallit, um, Sekou Dumboya. But then in free agency, they go out and sign Mason Plumlee to a three-year contract, more than any other team would give him. They sign Jeremy Grant to a three-year, $60 million contract, which is just absurd. 
and he is asking for you know a bigger role, but he's more of a four, and Blake Griffin is a four, so how is he going to get more of a role if someone's already starting ahead of him? I just don't understand what he's thinking. The Pistons took both of these guys, and I don't know what they're going to... I mean, they have a logjam, and they also signed Jalil Okafor. I mean, what are they doing? And my final loser of the offseason is the Nuggets, who added RJ Hampton and Zeke Naji in the draft, but they lost Jeremy Grant, Torrey Craig, Keita Bates-Diop, Mason Plumlee, and Noah Vonley. They lost a key, versatile defender in Jeremy Grant, as well as two good passing big, or as as well as a good passing big man in Mason Plumlee. They took both the Pistons took both these guys on massive contracts, but I mean I think these are still guys that they should have attempted to retain. They brought back Paul Millsap, which is good, but not a long term solution. I mean that guy is almost thirty five probably. Jeremy Grant is a guy who they just gave up a first round pick to the Thunder just last year. And they provided good stopping ability as well as an athletic young forward who could grow with their team. I mean, I think the Nuggets are kind of banking on, you know, Michael Porter Jr. becoming that. And I don't know if he has that yet. They did RJ Hampton, who I think is a solid combo guard. Maybe he could step into a starter next to Jamal Murray. As well as Zeke Naji, who's a stretch 4-5. who could fill potentially a similar Jeremy Grant role. I think Bull Bull is probably going to see an expanded role. And I think if they can pull off a Gary trade somehow, Gary Harris trade for like a three, I think they'll be ready to compete for many years to come. But I think they definitely lost big time in free agency. I mean, they they lost a lot of depth as well as, you know, people who can contribute now. So I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. And then before I go, I just want to touch on the fact that in the Blazers' projections, or you know, ESPN's projections, they have the Blazers as the ninth best team in the Western Conference. Like, what? Are you kidding me, ESPN? I think probably I'll make another podcast in about a week about my standings predictions for the NBA before the season starts. But for now, I'm just going to leave this here. And uh, let me know what you guys think about my rankings in the comments below. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast, and I'll see you next time. Peace.